3: Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. So, this is it, ladies and gentlemen. The gloves are off. And there can be no turning back. And I'm not just talking about the football either. I'm not just talking about the game that will captivate the entire nation on Sunday night. And I'm not just talking about what the mood of the country will be on Monday if England and Gareth Southgate manage to pull it off and beat Italy to win the Euros. The world will literally be our oyster. Or at least that part that is not classified as the red list part of the oyster. But we need more. We are not a greedy nation, but we are hungry. For success, are we not? We are anxious for normality to return and we're keen to get up and go. But the big question is where and how much is it going to bloody cost? Because you're going to have to pay a lot of money to get tested here, there and everywhere. And what happens if you get a negative test and then a positive test? I mean, who knows? Up first this morning, we've got reform UK party chairman Richard Tice. He's here with a spring in his step, a glint in his eye and a couple of glasses of English fizz to celebrate this great big weekend, which will also encompass the Wimbledon finals as well. What a time to be alive. We might as well get ready to party. It's only 10.08, but what the hell? It's Friday, uh, and uh, we, we're ready. We're absolutely ready. 0344 499 1000. Coming up later on, we've got travel guru Simon Calder. Uh, he's going to answer any questions you've got about just how complicated it's going to be to go to any of the 100 destinations that Grant Shapps unveiled yesterday. And how are you supposed to organise it all? Well, the big question is whether you're prepared to jump through all of the hoops they want you to jump through just have a few days on a sunbed. I suppose it depends who's next to you, really, doesn't it? 03444991000. John Rental's here as well, Chief Political Commentator of The Independent. He'll give us his take on the week in politics, the paucity of the opposition, and the dreadful Jess Phillips as well. Plus, Rob Clark's here about Afghanistan, Georgie Frost, and it's Friday, so we've got the Perrier Awards as well in the company of Yorkshire's finest, Ms. Izzy Rowland. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest-growing radio station on the planet, the original and the best. It is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On talk radio, so here we are. Richard Tice is here. Very good morning to you. He's what resplendent a in his England. Well, scarf. I, I
4: I couldn't resist, Mike. Yes, uh, bringing my scarf because I was there on Wednesday night, and it was the what most. A night. It was an unbelievable night. Yeah, you know, it felt like we were returning to some form of normality. I've walked down Wembley Way, mm. but to do that again, it literally brought a tear to my eye yeah. and that doesn't happen that often it was deeply deeply yeah. emotional and actually. also it had everything really didn't it the game itself
3: because it was it was terrifyingly kind sort of tense it was terrible they scored first England got an equaliser then it was all kind of like oh, is it going to end up with penalties and then Harry Kane gets the penalty
4: he misses the penalty it was it, it had all of that it was a complete <laughs> wild roller rollercoaster yeah. I mean you know it really was like being at a roller coaster yeah. park brilliant it, it had it and all and it sounded loud as oh, hell oh yeah I mean forget you know whatever it was 65,000 it yeah. felt like one hundred and sixty-five thousand. Yeah, brilliant. the excitement, the enthusiasm, and I have to say that you know just the, the goodwill, the friendliness—it really was a unique moment. And I'm quite sure uh, the final will be the same on uh, you know on on Sunday night. Yeah, and I just couldn't resist the opportunity. I mean, we're not going to get this chance very much, Mike. So um, this is actually an English champagne. I can see an English fizz, and yes. I just thought we had to have this opportunity to celebrate. Yes getting into the final. Yeah, absolutely. Um and in a way to hopefully to toast uh, uh Gareth Southgate his team and, and possibly to wish them a very, very good bit of luck on yeah. Sunday night. Well, because, I mean, I've got a great saying, it's better to be lucky than good. Um, and
3: <laughs> obviously it'd be great to be both. But, I mean, if you've got to choose, I mean, they were quite lucky on the, on Wednesday night, England, Yeah, but, you know, and, you, and you make it, your we, own luck. But you know what? You know, England deserves a bit of luck from time to time. Very good. Here we oh, go. So there a go, go. That's chapel, a good is a sound, isn't down? it? It is a chapel down.
4: It is a chapel down. Very yep, nice. A chapel down brute, non-vintage. And, uh, you know, I love buying English wine also, and you English know, champagne. Also, this is the best
3: time of the day to drink um, fizz because uh, for your digestive system, apparently, late at night, it's not a good idea, time to drink it. But this is the perfect time to drink champagne breakfast. I used to go to uh, a pub just off the Farringdon Road when I was in Fleet Street years ago uh, where they would do a champagne breakfast. you could have a full English and a bottle of Verve Clicquot. Oh, very nice no, It was nice, absolutely too. brilliant. It's at 7.30 in the morning. Now, there let me see are. if I can oh. reach that because I'm going to just... there we go, there we go. There we go. Thank you very much. Well, listen, here's well, to you, Richard Tice. Here's, here's most important. Here's to us. And here's to England.
4: Here's to England. The football and St George. And St George. Very and uh, the very best on Sunday yeah. night. Fantastic. Mm. Marvellous. That is the
3: greatest a greatest idea I think you've ever had. Never mind leaving <laughs> the European Union. Well, I mean, this is great.
4: This is the way to kick off the well, uh, the weekend. You've got to keep it? looking forward. You've got to keep looking for yeah. new good ideas. But no, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's no question it's, it's exciting in the nation. And what I love is so many people who've never watched a game of football suddenly enjoying it, becoming experts in it. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's good for the soul. It's, well, it's good for the confidence the of the nation. It really question. is united, and, and all but the most sort of rabid Scottish
3: nationalists and, and Welsh nationalists are yeah. actually behind it as well because I've spoken to loads of my friends. In fact, my friend Donald Macleod was down here uh, this week. We went out for dinner. He was wearing an England shirt. On uh, Wednesday night, watching the game, so you know it's nonsense to say that all oh, in Scotland they all hate England. They no, no,
4: and I think your theory that actually, uh, if England win on uh, on mm. Sunday night, that actually it's going to be really good for the union. Yeah, I think so. No, I think that's, that's absolutely everyone, right. And, and,
3: it'll be, and it's like, it couldn't, the timing couldn't be better, could it? Because we're coming out of, you know, the wearing of masks, we're coming out of social distancing. It feels as though people are more optimistic now about the future. They've got something to look forward to.
4: I think that's right. And I think, um, you know, the, the, the great mask debate, I think, you know, most of us are very happy to come out of uh, uh, wearing the masks. Uh, you know, there is a sort of a, a residual... Uh, there was obviously a bit, a bit of a sort of to-do, and and uh, Keir Starmer and co, they sort of got terribly excited about being red. I don't know what's wrong with Keir Well, I do know what's wrong with him. He's in the <laughs> Labour Party. But I mean, what,
3: what a complete... The thing is, though,
4: do you know, uh, I think we're being deeply misled mm. by some of these polls. You know, yeah. this YouGov poll that came out uh, saying that whatever it was, 70% of people still wanted to wear masks yeah. or something. I didn't believe it. I haven't believed many of these YouGov polls. Most YouGov polls, I would say, have been wrong. Right. Well, the first thing was, this poll was two months old. Mm. They didn't tell us that, did they, Uh, on the headline? So I actually said, no, I'm going to test this. Mm. So we polled 18,000 of our uh, registered supporters uh, in Reform UK. And within 36 hours, we had 18,000 replies. Right. Uh, on this survey, and 56% of them said they would ditch the mask immediately. And not wear them immediately, again. And not wear them again. Mm. So, you know, I don't know what um, what these uh, YouGov polls are doing, mm. uh, and who they're talking to, but well, I'm, not sure, ta- I'm not sure they're talking to real well, people. Well, they're
3: asking questions like, um, would you continue to wear a mask if it saves lives? And you're not going to go, no, because I don't care about saving lives, are you? So you're going to go, well, yes. And that's, well, it, I think, exactly. how they do it. It's, it's the way they you frame ask it. the
4: question. Whereas, actually, if you framed the question, uh, will you get rid of your mask because we feel that it perpetuates a state of fear yeah. then probably 90% exactly. say I'll get rid of it exactly. and what that's about- my concern about these masks is, look if someone wants to wear a mask in enclosed spaces whatever that's their freedom mm. of choice but please don't accuse the rest of us no. of of in any way uh, you know being selfish um, actually it, the, the evidence for the efficacy of wearing masks really is at best weak even mm. the government's own website, yeah the only proper uh, controlled clinical trial uh, on masks that I'm aware of, and I've looked into it, was done in Denmark last year, yeah. and it shows there's no statistically yeah. significant uh, evidence that they make any no. difference at all, unless you are wearing one of the highest unless quality, you're wearing one of those very really high quality, top yeah. quality medical masks, which of course ninety nine percent of people got. Are, nobody's got no. so. You know, and I if think... you
3: see somebody wearing one of those in the street, I would say take a wide berth because it's probably some kind <laughs> of nothing wrong with them. Yeah,
4: you know, look at some serial killer. But I do think it's part of. I think it's part of leadership. I'm delighted finally the government is using the language mm. that the likes of you and I have been using for months. Yes, which is that we've got to learn to live with it. Exactly. Which is that we've got to treat COVID in the same way that we treat flu. Yeah. You know, yes, it can be. It, it can be really nasty. Uh, For certain people, but we've got to learn to live Mm. with it. But for most people, it's not. And that is the bottom line. Because, you know, without wishing
3: to sound in any way callous, you know, we do not run governments on any other basis uh, for the minority of people who might be injured by something uh, which flies around in the air. You know, by and large, we govern for the majority of people and and we try to protect the the vulnerable. And, you
4: you know, the whole point of leadership is that you've got to motivate, enthuse, encourage, excite, and you've got to give confidence. Mm. Whether it's in a business, whether it's leading a sports team, yeah. uh, whether it's you know running a charity or running a country, yeah. and you know a nation will do great things if actually its lead- leaders, uh, you know, drive us forwards yeah. with that with that motivation. Well, and I think also- that's that's why our leaders have got to say, you know, let's get rid of the masks. Let's you know have some have some uh, enthusiasm, have some self belief. No. and put the foot flat on the accelerator. We yeah. need to be in eighth gear as we drive forwards. And maybe, maybe actually the England success, whatever happens on Sunday, yeah. you know, this is a huge success story. Yeah. And that is sort of the pump primer, really. I think so. Uh, you know, to, to push forward. And I think that the, the the speed with which we then accelerate
3: out of this nonsense will increase. Because, you know, look at the state of the test and trace now. You've got Sir Keir Starmer asking uh, Boris Johnson, what are you going to do about all these people that are cancelling the app? Well, what can he do? Nothing. Cancel the app. It doesn't work. It doesn't do any good for anybody. And in fact, the Department of Health is now saying that if you are pinged by the NHS COVID-19 app, you are not being told to self-isolate. It's only ever been advisory. Oh, where did that really? come from? I mean, so they've just... now started saying this, right? So so actually, all of these people, and also this idea that Labour were coming out
4: with, millions of people are going to have to self-isolate. Well, why? You're only, you're only having to self-isolate because some stupid rule says you do. But this is where the government has got to show some common sense. And say, actually, from July the nineteenth, you know, if you've been double jabbed, it's ludicrous that you should self-isolate mm, again. Right? If you may or may not have been within a few meters yeah. of someone who may or may not have symptoms, which may or may not mean technology. anything at all. Exactly. You know. You know I mean, so, you might
3: have been. I might have been within, you know, two or three meters of somebody who's who's got some dreadful, you know, sexually transmissible disease. You know, I don't know, but you
4: know, that's life, isn't it? It, it is life, and and I think that again. Uh, you know what? What, what the, the government and leaders have got to say is yes, case numbers are going up, but the the, the link between cases and hospitalizations and deaths has been broken. It has clearly yeah. been broken, thanks because to the, the numbers are going of up
3: of, of, of yeah, so-called cases, but, but in reality, cases.
4: in reality, we all know we all know lots of friends who've got children at school uh, or kids who've just come back from university, and yes, uh, the young have got, uh, you know, there are a rising cases. What the government should do is actually release the data about the age range of these increasing cases. But most people I talk, anecdotally, the kids, they might have a sniffle. Yeah. At worst, they might have something that feels or sounds like flu for yeah. a day. Well, actually, guess what? You're building up natural antibodies. Exactly. That's a good thing. Yeah.
3: I mean, we're looking here at 32,551 daily coronavirus cases, according to the figures of the Telegraph. Seems high, but again... Needs context, doesn't it? Because what does that actually mean? It means thirty-two thousand five hundred fifty-one positive tests, effectively, right? Correct. They're saying thirty-five deaths, uh, which again is a bit maybe higher than it was. It used to be sort of under twenty, but still compared to one thousand two hundred forty-one deaths in all, of all causes,
4: yep. it's a it's a tiny amount. Exactly. I mean, it's just over two percent. Again and
3: again, context would be good to know context who these people good.
4: are. If if you put that in the context, well, how many people die from flu every day? Mm. It's more than that. Right. How many people die from cancer yeah, every day? It's more than that. Sadly, it's ten times or fifteen times yeah. that number. You've got to put this in context of life, and and I think the vast, vast, vast majority of people want to actually to get on. You know, we're only we're only here once. Life's not a dress rehearsal. And, you know, I think we've got to have the confidence to say, come on, folks, this is the time to say, right, we're going to work hard, we're going to play hard, we're going to get stuff done, Mm. we're going to play our part in driving our country forward. That's the message that our leaders, our government have now got to be pushing throughout the whole population. Yeah,
3: and as Julie Hartley Brewer said, you know, it's not perfect, this business of the travel uh, lifting, and the travel restrictions lifting. No, of course it's not. But we are moving in the right direction. So finally, we can be encouraged by saying that, look, you know, the government does now seem to get it. And I loved the fact that Sajid Javid came out and said, you know, I'm the Secretary of State for Health, not the Secretary of State for COVID. Because that's been needed to be said by somebody.
4: It's extraordinary, that, that change in tone and language since he arrived. I mean... Uh, you know, I mean, frankly, uh, Hancock leaving really has been a complete tonic for the whole nation, uh, as far as I'm concerned.
3: And what does it say about um, Boris, right, that somebody like Matt Hancock was able to control health policy, and I know he's a Secretary of State for Health, but but over and above whatever Boris wanted? I mean, that's extraordinary,
4: isn't it? Well, it is extraordinary. Let's not forget, of course, you know, Boris actually initially uh, wanted to keep him there. It, um the whole thing is uh, is quite extraordinary. How the, the nation was literally, seemingly, being held back by one complete authoritarian control freak. Mm. Anyway, thankfully, he's gone, and and sort of it feels like the stars are coming together, and you know it's a real opportunity for us, and we've we've got to grasp it. We've got to grasp it with with open hands, uh, and and really go forward. And and you know the government's just got to now uh, move quickly. Uh, to change these isolation rules, to lift the further travel restrictions, to stop the ripoff of all this mm. testing, I actually think that we should stop mass testing yes. of children in schools. I think it's a, no point. It's a financial ripoff. It's medically irrelevant. Yes. Uh, to be testing, you know, frankly, millions of healthy children uh, who may or may not have a sniffle, uh, and then to be sort of essentially sending whole classes, whole year groups, whole schools. Home and missing the most vital thing, which actually is being educated in schools, mm. socialising yeah. with their peers right. in schools. You know, this is a vital part of the future of our our country. You know, the young, uh, you know, learning how
3: to do these things. Absolutely right, Richard. Stay with us for a moment. I'm going to give you another reason to celebrate uh, coming up very shortly. We are, of course, Talk Radio, the home of common sense. Richard Tice is here. We've got champagne, uh, albeit English sparkling wine. It is champagne. You just can't call it that. Guess why? Because the French won't let you. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> This is Talk Radio
1: across the UK, online on DAB Plus and on the Talk Radio app.
4: The Independent Republic of Mike Gray
3: on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. Richard Tice is here with me. We've got some very nice chapel down um, uh, sparkling wine, I suppose we have to call it, but it's really fizz. I mean, that's what we're going to call it. Now, what I can tell you is there's another reason to celebrate, Richard, because I can't quite reveal, but I will reveal in the next hour uh, that we've got an announcement to make here at Talk Radio, which is going to be very, very exciting. Are you taking uh, over? Are you the boss? I can't say. Listen, (laughs) this is what happens when you say, look, I can't tell you, and immediately they go, what is it? I can't say. No, 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 I they put me in charge of a radio station once, uh, and I was later accused by uh, my current boss of wasting five million pounds of his money. <laughs> but that's not true; very unfair, you know. Very unfair. It was very unfair. We ran it very well for a short period of time before it was closed down. <laughs> I mean, everything I've ever run has kind of been closed down. I ran the, the Scottish edition of the Daily Mirror that got closed down. Um, I worked for the Daily Express, but it was really quite
4: good. And now look at it. Um,
3: but you know, what can you say?
4: Well, what can you say? I mean, maybe you have to take the uh, the advice of the latest army adverts: fail, learn, win. I quite like that. I quite um, like that. It sounds like. But I don't think in they, terms of running things, maybe you have kept and on and failing. This and... particular company is, is rather successful,
3: so I think they probably best keep, just let, let keep, them keep you where you are. Let them keep running it. I'll do this. They do that. Everybody's happy. Um, Let's talk a little bit about um, Brexit, because I see in the front page of Telegraph, I don't know if you've seen, this final bill for Brexit uh, is expected to be £2 billion higher than expected.
4: Apparently, um, because they're they're giving us more fines. It's just unbelievable. Why would we bother paying fines to the EU? I've no idea at all. I mean, I I think we're going to just keep seeing these stories for a variety of reasons. You know, my view is, frankly, until uh, the EU uh, come to their senses and play... Play ball mm. on the the really really critically important issue, which is the Northern Ireland Protocol, yeah. which is is so damaging to trade in Northern Ireland, mm. so damaging to community relations and the tension there. Until they play ball, actually, I wouldn't pay them anything. Yeah. I would say literally all bets are off. You're in breach. Yes. Uh, and and you know we've got to sort this out. And I would give them a really really short time frame. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, we've got to scrap the protocol and. And start again, and just start again, and just go no deal, you yeah. know, because I that mean, would, we, we might as well at this point, right? Well, I always said, you know, actually, uh, and I really liked the the previous T shock before Leo Varadkar, Ender Kenyon, He said, with goodwill and technology, you can sort out the issue of goods going across the border. Yeah, um, but as soon as he left, actually, they they essentially weaponized yes uh, the, uh, the 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 trade talks and goods moving across the border in order to try and basically punish us with a, and also, a and really bad with, with deal. Varadka, and that's what
3: happened, and we're still recovering from that.
4: Well, with Varadkar,
3: they were almost trying to stop Brexit happening, weren't they? Yeah. So they were using him as the kind of battering ram. Unfortunately, he wasn't very good at it, uh, and he only lost the election. So um, yeah. so now it's at least an improved situation on that
4: one. Yeah, and I think, but but actually, uh, you know, Boris and Lord Frost, they've really got to stand up to the EU now and say, no, no, we're not going to pay you any more money. We're not going to pay any fines. I mean, that's utterly ridiculous. Mm. Uh, and you've got to sort out this Northern Ireland protocol, and and frankly, until that is done, everything else just just press the pause button. Yeah, a bit like the EU did to the to us, Barnier did to us when he said we couldn't even start trade talks until we'd sorted out the size of the divorce bill mm. um, and um, and and the EU citizens. Well, we could actually turn the tables back on them and say, no, you've got to sort out the protocol in a couple of weeks, mm. otherwise we're done. We're not paying any more. Uh, you know all bets are off yeah. they 've got to realize that not only are we a sovereign independent state, we've left. We are going to th- survive and thrive and succeed on our own. you know I've always said this is the moment to become literally like Singapore uh, you know off off the uh, the coast of europe we've got a, a great opportunity we've got to, we've got to cut taxes we've got to have, be smartly regulated, cut daft regulation, put the foot on the accelerator of growth. And, you know, where you get higher growth, you get higher wages, you've got more money to invest in mm. public services. And, my goodness me, don't we know that the the, uh, the health service and system is going to lead a lot of yeah. smart investment, not just pouring money into a black hole. Exactly. It needs major reform. And how much would Brussels hate England winning the Euros? Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, honestly. <laughs> I mean, that would be the icing on the cake, wouldn't it? Yeah, so it we're would not, be. We're not giving you the 40 billion and we've just won the Euros. How about that? I mean, look, it's... <laughs> It's fun banter, it and, and they, 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 of course they would hate it. But I mean, just think how much of a boost it will be to us. Even I think just getting as far as we've got is a, you know, it, it really is oh, an extraordinary massive. boost. Yes. And, uh, you know, we have it's such an opportunity. We've got to go for it, and we mustn't in any way show any signs of weakness. You know, this is our moment. This mm. is our time. It really is. And, it, and, and how appropriate uh, is it that it is our time
3: and that it's happening at the same time uh, as everything's sort of coming together. It feels like everything's coming together, doesn't it? It
4: it, it really does, and and not before time. Uh, but the question is whether or not the government then actually, you know, they, they, they grasp it, and they start making some common-sense, quick decisions, mm. you know, to use this. They've been far too slow to use the success of the vaccination rollout, uh, and that's held us back. Um, and hopefully now, with, with uh, Sajid Javid in the health department, uh, you know, that really will uh, herald some change. But, you know, we shouldn't underestimate the forces of some of the, the sage scientists, the communists, uh, you know, that are sort oh, of God. embedded within it. Yeah. Um, and the merry-go-round of money and some of the decisions, you think, why are they doing that? It's mm. so illogical. And far too often, it's it's a case of following the money. And it's such a merry-go-round, these, these sage scientists, the research groups, the universities, the quangos, uh, the big pharma companies... Mm. And they're all making a huge amount of money, and that's why they want this thing to go on as long as possible. Yeah, and that's what we must
3: keep a very close eye on. Well, Richard, great to see you. Thank you very much for the uh, for the fizz. Uh, Good luck on Sunday. Uh, We wish everybody good luck on Sunday. I'm sure everybody will be rooting for England, even you Scots up there. I know you will. Uh, You really mean it, don't you? Uh, Richard Tice will be back next Friday. Uh, We'll talk perhaps before that. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's a big weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, It is the Wimbledon finals, but perhaps... Perhaps more importantly, it is of course the Euro finals as well. England take on Italy on Sunday night at 8 p.m. It's going to be an absolute belter. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be 90,000 people in Wembley Stadium, but as uh, Richard tice just told us, there were 60,000 in last Wednesday, and it seemed as though Tuesday rather, and it seemed as though—I know uh, it was Wednesday, wasn't it? It seemed as though actually it was 165,000. It was absolutely brilliant, and it was fantastic, and we can't wait for Sunday. Richard Tice very kindly brought in some English fizz to celebrate what is going to be the most fantastic victory of all time. Uh, even bigger, probably the winning of the World Cup in 1966. Let us talk now to Mark Anthony Stringfellow, uh, the administrator of England football fans, because uh, let's face it, it's going to be one hell of a night. Mark, a very good morning
0: to you. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Yeah,
3: very well indeed. It's almost like it's too, it's too long to wait, isn't it? You just want it to happen, right?
0: Yeah, we're in a little bit of limbo at the minute. Obviously, passing the days away, weather's not too bad. Yeah. Um, you know, our roads lead to Sunday night and hopefully, you know, what a, what a celebration that'll be if we can bring it home. I'm sure we can. I'm confident we can.
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, all the all the kind of uh, the pointers are in the right direction, aren't they? Because England got a little bit lucky, I'd say, on Wednesday night. You know, great win. But but there was a moment or two when you were thinking, oh, God, here we go. This is going to be bit like the old England, isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've we've made a history of doing things the hard way, and people were going on about the penalty, but if you look back at Maradona's handball and Lampard's disallowed goal and various other things... Yeah,
3: we're, uh, due, we're due some luck, aren't
0: we? <laughs> weren't we, really?
3: No, I think that's absolutely right. And as far as the numbers game goes on, on Sunday, are they letting 90,000 in?
0: It would be amazing if they did. Uh, whether they will or not is another thing, mm. but... I'll tell you what, if we win it, there's going to be double that on the streets anyway. So <laughs> just let them in. Let's soak it up. Because the crowd have made such a big difference, really.
3: Yeah. Oh It's been fantastic. I mean, the noise coming out of Wembley. I mean, I've been at Wembley uh, for England games, which haven't gone so well. And it's sometimes so quiet that you're wondering if you are even at a football match. So to hear the crowd going the way they were was fantastic.
0: Sweet Caroline. I mean, they've, they've, they've embraced that song. Yeah. And it's just amazing to see the fans and the, the atmosphere. And as I say, if we actually win it and bring that trophy home, it's going to be on a different scale.
3: Yeah, absolutely right. And what's your hope for the game itself in terms of the way they're going to set it out? I mean, it's they've got such a wide-ranging choice now of players to pick that actually almost any combination of the ones that he's so far used would be, would be fine, wouldn't it?
0: Definitely. I think we've not got to be scared of them, but we've got to be a little bit cautious. It'll be a tight game. Uh, I'm going for 2-1 England, I think Grealish can be the difference, Um, but he's got such a a depth of squad now that we've never had before. Look at the likes of Rashford who's barely got a look in and yet can win a game in an instant, so Kane's on fire, Um, I'm going for 2-1. 2-1 2-1 England with Grealish to get a winner yeah. and bringing it on. I'll tell you wrong.
3: one one thing I noticed this morning, which I, th- I think because we're very magnanimous in this country, I don't really mind, but I find it slightly ironic. Apparently, 1,000 Italian fans are allowed to fly to the UK for the final. Now, considering that we're not really allowed to fly to very many places at the moment, and also England fans were told not to go to Rome for the game against um, uh, Ukraine, you're kind of going, really? How does that
0: work then? Exactly, yeah. It was such a shame that we weren't allowed to go over there. If you look at the, the semi-final the other night, there was a large Danish contingent. Um, it, it's it's hard, isn't it? It's difficult times that we're living in, but we've got to embrace it. I think we're over the hill now with everything, hopefully, that's been going on with yeah. the vaccine. Let's fill Wembley, because I know through the group that I run that there's a lot of people going down to London anyway.
3: Right.
0: Um, and the group's grown in the last two months from 7,000 to 25,000. Oh, really? So, yeah. yeah. The 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 participation levels from everyone, it's just such a feel-good factor that gives the whole country that if we win it, and we, we're no more deserving fans, we deserve this more, yeah. I think, because of the story that we've gone through over the last 50 years of, of glorious failure almost. Yeah. Well, this is the thing.
3: I mean, it was, there were moments, as I said, and particularly in the second half on Wednesday when it all kind of seemed to be going a bit flat Um, and the crowd played their part in keeping it going. But it seemed to me like this is one of those games that's going to go extra time, penalties, and you're know, you going to go, oh, oh. I mean, I even feel now that if it was to go to penalties against Italy, that England would actually win. Do you know,
0: that would be the perfect, really, scenario. I wouldn't like to maybe go down that track. I'd like maybe a 4-0 would be great. Mm. But to win on penalties after the heartaches that we've had and we broke that voodoo against Colombia... It would be amazing, but what would it be like for the heart rate watching that? <laughs> well, like, listen,
3: that's 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 the thing. I mean, people said to me actually on Thursday morning, you know, I can't handle it. I can't handle the stress. It was really stressful, and they, they I mean, they kind of were happy, but they were also just like, oh, you know, I'm not sure I can handle it on Sunday.
0: The, the the last few minutes of that game the other night were quite surreal because I expected the Alamo from Denmark. Yeah, we kept possession. I don't know if you saw it for 53 passes which was so unlike an england scene. yes, and it, it was great to see because mm. it, it and it's the fruition really of st george's park that we put together 15 or 16 years ago yes a of excellence um you know which is which is born you know it's born through it it's paid off in my I think opinion. there's
3: a couple of things right I, I i also think the fact that we have such a strong premier league in this country because you know you've seen spain uh, sort of fall away from being world champions partly because the spanish league has not been as good recently i don't think same same set goes for italy in a way although italy have had a bit of a resurgence the same goes for france you know because we've got such a strong league with so many great players from all over the world playing in it i think the england players who play in it are therefore better now
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, we have got the strongest league in the world, without a doubt, and it's been so competitive with the likes of Leicester winning it over the last few years. Liverpool, my team, United, are coming back into it a little bit. Chelsea, City are obviously the team to beat. But it attracts and it brings on, and I think it engages our youngsters to get even better because they're playing around better players. And we've, Gareth has, has done an amazing job, and he'll go down, in my opinion, Certainly, if we win on Sunday, is the greatest manager of all time. Yeah. We've had three successive semi finals now, including the Nations League. And he's such a hero. Mm. He's such a, a likable guy um, that he's going to hopefully finish a great story with a great ending. That a lot of people, my age, because I'm 52, have been waiting 40 plus years. Yeah. To and all the it.
3: young kids that you see in all the fan zones, the kids who have got their shirts off in Piccadilly Circus, I mean, they've never seen anything like this.
0: No, no, I've got a daughter. My daughter's 16 and she gets into the football as much as she can, Emily. And she, have to tell her of the stories and the times. I actually joked to her a couple of weeks ago and said, look, when I'm gone and we eventually win it, you'll remember me. And you'll say, I'm, they've done this for my dad. Well, yeah. hopefully you don't have to do that now. She can tell him- <laughs> <laughs> hopefully so. And how many people are going to take Monday off, do you think? You know, I'm kind of hoping that we go for this snap bank holiday scenario because... Yeah. You know, people, if we win it, will just be in celebratory mood. And it's good to see all of the different clubs. There's no rivalries. It's one team, mm. even people who aren't usually into football. It unites the nation like mm. the 2018 World Cup did. And it's it's great to see. And hopefully, come Monday, let's celebrate and let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely right. right. Well, <laughs> listen,
3: Mark, what are you, so you're going for a 2-1. Um, you think in, full, in 90 minutes or are you going for extra time?
0: We're going to have to do it the hard way, Mike. It's going to be extra time because we don't do it easy. <laughs> oh. Probably going oh. to be. Let's hope for like something like a scuffed goal or something that you know is is not, you know, something that goes our way. But I'm quite confident. Italy have not been great the last couple of games, yeah. and we've we've beaten Germany well, Ukraine, Denmark. We beat Croatia. You know, we we've done brilliant. Yeah. The, been
3: oh, amazing. yeah. I, I mean, this is the best tournament performance I've ever seen by England, I think. You know, I mean, I was very, vaguely aware of the World Cup in 66, but not really. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is the best I've ever seen them play through the, through the tournament, basically. The only poor game they had was against Scotland.
0: Yeah, and, and even that game, I mean, they played well, but I think we should have had a penalty. We were unlucky, we hit the post. But the defensive record of going five games without conceding mm. a goal... Sterling for me, man of the tournament, Pickford's got golden gloves, um, you know, and he, we've got so many players that haven't even, Jaden Sancho's hardly huh. had a look in, and, and Klinsman said that he'd have him in their team from the start. He looks great,
3: time. doesn't he? He looks amazing. He's coming to your lot as well, isn't he?
0: He is, he is, so fingers crossed he might be able to win us something. <laughs> it's been a few years for my boys. Yes, we, absolutely.
3: Good man. Well, listen, Mark, enjoy the weekend leading up to the big game. The big game, of course, will be live on Talksport, uh, and you can watch it and listen to the commentary on Talksport. We will be bringing you all the news as it happens, of course, throughout uh, the way uh, the weekend is going to go. Mark, Anthony Stringfellow, there, uh, who is, of course, admin of England football fans.
4: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
0: On Talk Radio.
3: Now, just before we speak to Simon Calder, I am delighted to be able to tell you uh, that you've been enjoying Talk Radio for a very long time. It is the fastest growing radio station on the planet. Uh, It is now on your television, right? So you can now watch it. It's not YouTube, this is the Talk Radio TV app, okay? Go to talkradio.tv for details on how to watch it. Download the Talk Radio TV app from the App Store, and you can watch it on your big television. And it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, you might not like looking at me, Um, But never mind, there's a lot better looking people than me who do shows and there's a lot better looking people than me uh, that are on throughout the course of the day. I'm only doing 15 hours a week, you know, so go and watch other people as well. Uh, Julie Hartley Brewer, of course, Ian Collins, Mark Dolan, uh, James Whale, Kevin O'Sullivan, Trisha at the weekends, all sorts of great things going on. Christo at the weekends as well. We'll be talking to him uh, coming up in this hour. He'll be celebrating with us the launching of the TV app. It's an extra way for you to watch television on Talk Radio. Let's talk to Simon Calder. Simon, very good morning to you. Uh,
1: hello. Yes, um, I am living up to a lifetime dream, Mike. I'm at uh, Fulham Broadway
0: Station,
1: <laughs> Um which, of course, the jury and the blockheads um, was a very, uh, uh was notable for saying I could be the ticket man at Fulham Broadway yes. Station. Well, I'm not. But I am hoping to go travelling somewhere, possibly even
3: with you. Yes, well, listen, if you get on the district line, uh, you can take a little trip down, I think, to Wimbledon uh, from there. And uh, and that's quite a nice part of the world at the moment, but very busy, I would say.
1: Uh, it uh, certainly is. Um, well, my goodness me, the uh, Broadway itself is looking pretty uh, lively right now. Clearly, people thinking we're back to normal. Uh, interestingly, Mike, um, you know, the mask stuff is all finishing uh, a week on Monday. Yes. Well... Already, I mean, I, I took a train to the northwest. Um, 17 people in my coach. Um, there were six of us wearing masks, right. all the rest had already just thought, you know, it's all, it's all over and um, uh, we're gonna go back to normal. Well, I think, and, well, I think, that,
3: I think that's right. And, and if and if those of, of, of you in that carriage wish to continue to wear one, you carry on. Well, thank you. I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I mean, I think choice is is a great uh, a factor in this. Freedom uh, comes with responsibility, and I think if you are free to choose which of those things
1: you want to do, that is the British way. Yes, uh, I, I could, couldn't agree uh, more, Mike. I think the rules are still technically in place until. Uh, midnight uh, a week on Sunday. Yeah. So I shall continue to follow them. But then we get new exciting rules at 4am yes. on Monday the 19th of July. Well, let us hope, um,
3: Simon, that they're slightly more uh, decipherable than the rules that we got from Grant Shapps yesterday which have left me in a real sort of um, state of flux, I can tell you. I was quite irritable yesterday when he made his announcement because I thought, well, hang on a minute. So you're telling me that you still want me to take a load of tests, which are going to cost me and my family an awful lot of money. You're telling me that I can go to several countries, even though they are amber. Um, but if I go to those countries that are amber, they might actually turn red, um, which would mean that I would be then having to lash out even more money to come back in quarantine in a hotel.
1: Yeah, I, I think I suppose this class is, uh, Mike, as, as um, managing expectations. Yes. That is a theoretical possibility. <coughs> Excuse me. Goodness uh, me. I've never been better. Um, so, so, But the, what's going to happen is that um, uh, if you take France, for example, um, we will, anybody who, like me, is lucky enough to have been jabbed twice and has the uh, bit of paper to prove it from England, will be able to go over there and then come back without quarantine now whether or not they're going to want me and even you uh, is another question and every traveler absolutely has to uh uh find out what the rules are but i honestly can't see somewhere like france suddenly turning red i mean i've i do watch the data and at the moment russia indonesia possibly mexico possibly cuba could all go um uh on on them oh sorry hang on are you still there i'm looking at this uh, well, It looks like uh, the moon why, why, have you said uh, yes.
3: Very yes. clever that.
1: Uh, How did you do that? Ah uh, well, you see, um, it's all—it's all, all, all the. I mean, um, I knew you were it,
3: smart, Simon, but you know. Uh,
1: it, it's <laughs> the lay lines here in um, Fulham Oh uh, yes, actually, of course. They come it comes straight up to anyway, Glastonbury. Uh, they do. You, yes, <laughs> uh, you know them well. Uh, so no, um, here's what's happening. The um, uh, so they will not move a big country uh, like France or Italy or Greece onto the red list suddenly so i wouldn't worry about that all mainland spain Um, so it's going to gradually open things up whether people you know whether other countries are going to close things down as well they might we do not know but it will get us a bit of the way there um and um that that's an ambulance coming down the uh, delay line right now um and the, the the thing is, we are turning into a nation of jabbed and jabbed knots. Of course. Yeah. What happens? Um, I mean, already- if you haven't had
3: uh, uh, a vaccination of any kind for various reasons, I was listening earlier to a woman who happens to be pregnant, uh, talking to another radio station, and she said, "Well, I don't have the vaccination because I'm pregnant. Does that mean I can't go on holiday?" And does it?
1: Uh, yes. Unfortunately, sorry. It doesn't mean she can't go on holiday. It means that um, she is not able to avail of the. Uh, swerving quarantine option that, that I have and possibly even mm. you have, despite your um, uh, considerable use. Yes. Um, well, it seems so, extraordinary, yeah. doesn't it? I've got a couple
3: of questions for you, Simon, if you don't mind. Yes. Uh, one um, uh, says this. How um, uh, Could you explain, please, where and how you get a pre-departure test to travel back to the UK from whichever destination you've gone to while you were away? Uh, can you use
1: a lateral flow test? How does that all work? Right. Now, you can't use an NHS lateral flow test. There are some companies that will send you off with a a, a private lateral flow test. You stand in the bathroom and you do all the stuff you've got to do while they're watching you on video. And if they think you've done it right, then they will send you a certificate. A number of people have been turned away from airports and it's not something I would do. Very straightforward, actually, in all the big resorts. They've got pharmacies that are cashing in on this. Airports, many of them have uh, places to test. And sometimes they even go into hotels and say, anybody travelling back soon, you need a test. So that's quite relaxed.
3: Right. So what if you were going to, say, Greece, uh, an island in Greece, and you were renting a villa, and you wanted to know where you could go to get uh, a test done?
1: Well, you would uh, do a little bit of work, but probably what you do is when you flew into the island... You have a look in the car park. Have they got a temporary yeah. um, clinic set up there? Well, yes or no. You ask uh, the um, the staff at the airport and they'll probably say, oh, yeah, um, you know, uh, cost us down in the village. He'll do that for you. 30 euros, right. Mike. OK, because so the big problem, because it, the know. other
3: big, because I, I mean, I, I'll make no secret of this, Simon. I'm slightly edgy about going anywhere, frankly, but my family wants to go. So I may well just pack them all off and, and look after the dog. But the bottom line is that um, if you, for example, were to test positive, in the airport car park. You're not getting on the plane, are you?
1: No, you're not, you're going into quarantine and it all depends on where you are, whether you will pay if you're on a package holiday, quite possibly the holiday company will pay and look after you. Um, You'll be able to change your flight back. okay? Um, the the, the airlines are being quite reasonable. But, yeah, I mean, this is a summer for the bold and the desperate. Mm. And Um, I'm neither of those. I mean, I have been known to be
3: I have been known to be bold, but I've never been desperate. Now, one from Isabella who says, Mike, can you ask Simon if there are any holiday companies that will sort out all the tests for you as part of the holiday price? That means presumably also the ones when you get back to Britain.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so TUI, biggest holiday company, they have various packages which are actually subsidised by them. So those are going that's going to be the sort of cheapest way you can do it. Mm. Um, and so, yes, I mean, if you're going through a good travel agent, they will know all about it. And, yeah, the airlines, the airports have have links with people. Um, but uh, I tell you what, I mean, I, I've. Very happy just to find something in the resort and then pay maybe 60, 70 quid, have one at the airport when I get home because I just want to get off the plane, go to get me test done. It's all done. Forget it. Get on with life.
3: Yes. And what about if you were to go to a, a hotel at the moment in most of these resorts? Because friends of mine uh, didn't go to Portugal uh, in the last two weeks when they, was, they had planned to. But friends of theirs did go to a particular resort uh, and they found as soon as um, in, uh, we, we put them back on the sort of uh, the amber list that basically everything was shut. So the restaurants weren't open. Uh, they couldn't really go out of their rooms for the first few days. Are most hotels in most resorts operating normally or not really?
1: Not not at all. Normally, I mean, you know, typically business in the average Mediterranean resort is, you know, probably 50, 60 percent down. Mm. And therefore, you don't need all the hotels to be open. And the restaurants are sort of thinking, well, is it worth opening up? Now, the thing is, we're now in July, July, August, the peak season for travellers from across Europe. So if things are going to be open, they're going to be open now. What's going to be very interesting is that, um, uh, for instance, Jet2 is extending their Greek island season to the middle of November. Right. Um, Very last flight back, I think, from Rhodes to Leeds Bradford and to Birmingham on the 13th of November. Now, the Greek islands do tend to close down. Um, I'm looking forward to going over there and find out if I can get anything like a uh, very nice Mythos beer along with my uh, lunchtime kebab.
3: Yes, I'm very keen on Mythos beer. It's rather good, isn't it? Particularly if you're lying by a swimming pool and it's incredibly cold in a can. I do, I do yes. find that very enticing. But the trouble is, though, um, what about the way back and the, and the queues? I mean, I've had a couple of tweets today from people saying they've just come back from Ibiza. It was no problem at all. Um, you know, very quick going in, very quick going yeah. out um, and no delays. But I'm seeing this morning um, talk of six hour delays at the airport yeah. when people come back. What's
1: the, what's the story? Well, 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 this is from the Immigration Services Union. They say that with all the extra paperwork that people have to uh, go through, um, it's going to add up to six-hour delays. But I'm not sure I agree their computations. They say, you know, it's going to take 12 to 15 minutes to process each person. Well, last time I came in to Stansted, um, I, there I was. I was through in um, two minutes, of which the first minute was spent going in the wrong direction because the signs were so bad. No. Um, even at Heathrow, uh, w- um, it, it's uh, you know, I waited 15, 20 minutes. It was, sort of felt quite normal. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Just get all your ducks in the row at the airport at the other end. You're gonna need your vaccination certificate. You're gonna need your proof of testing. You're gonna need your pre-departure test certificate. And don't forget your passport while you're there. Yeah. Um. It is a tough old time, but uh, we'll we'll get there it eventually. Is.
3: And the, the 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 situation for children uh, between I think uh, what Grant Shep said was 12 to 18. Uh, No requirement, obviously, for vaccinations, no requirement for quarantine either. But they will have to do all the same number of tests, right?
1: They have to do the same number of tests. The uh, between five and 11, you get one of the tests let off. So I think that's the getting on the plane to come back to the UK. Frankly, it would be a shame to leave a 10 year old behind on a Greek island, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, that's the
3: sort of thing David Cameron might do, isn't it?
1: Well, yes. Yeah. So, so uh, no, you do. do all Yeah. Uh, so, so it is a little bit easier for kids. But frankly, the cost and the trouble are going to persuade a lot of people just to say, frankly, I'm not going to bother this year. I'm going uh, to wait until next year and we'll see how things well, are. That's looking. kind of that's kind yeah.
3: of how I feel. And what, what do you make of what will happen after uh, the, 20, the 19th of July vis-a-vis masks on planes, for example?
1: Oh no! All the airlines are doing exactly the same as they've always done. They're saying you you, you have to have your your, your mask on. Um, we don't care what the uh, UK government is saying, and that's perfectly reasonable within their conditions of contract. But all of the the airlines that I've contacted said, "Yep, nothing changes. Mm. Uh, you know, you're going to be sitting there wearing your mask." Um, and um, and. You know, if you, you're you not prepared to do that, you're not getting on our plane. Yeah.
3: Well, I'll do that if they want to pay me to fly on their bleeding airline. But I'm not going to be forced to wear a mask if I, I don't want to. Thanks very much indeed. Maybe I'll go by boat. What about uh, Cyprus? What are you hearing about Cyprus? Because they put us, Sorry, did, so, did they oh, not, on yeah. a red list earlier this week?
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so they're getting tough with us, but they're also seeing big, big problems with their infection rates, too. So uh, Cyprus isn't on my list of possible places that I will be escaping to in the next week or so. I'm looking at Eastern Europe, particularly Poland, Slovakia and uh, maybe France and I- been there for a while. Um, just uh, making the most of this chance to travel before. Well, who knows what's going to happen in the autumn?
3: Right. And what is the kind of holding pattern for uh, for Grant Shapps? Because um, I was so annoyed listening to him yesterday that I couldn't quite make out what was the next stage because we we constantly hear that you know c- countries are still on the watch list countries can still be changed at any time you know um when are we going to know more about what else can can change because you know we're uh, hearing today for example that we might as well all ditch the nhs app because it didn't work really very well and all that's going to happen is you're going to get told uh, to go and ho- go home and now they're telling us for the department of health actually it's not an instruction it's just guidance so you don't have to self-isolate anyway
1: uh, no, I know. Uh, it, it, it's all bizarre. Look, my prediction is, Mike, by September, everything will have settled down just in time for the schools all to be back. for people have to be back. Yeah, isn't that desks. funny? What a coincidence. And then, and then um, you and me can go on holiday and um, uh, find our own little Love Island. How about that?
3: Well, listen, I'll have to lose a bit of weight if you want me <laughs> struggling about, uh, you know, Love Island style. But uh, that's another story. Um, uh, but what you, so where are you likely to be next when we speak to you?
1: Uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm looking at all the options. Um, I, I haven't been abroad, obviously, um, very much at all this year. Yeah. Um, I'm particularly attracted by the Tatra Mountains uh, between um, Poland and Slovakia. It's an area oh, yeah. I've not properly explored, but okay. I've heard a great deal about it. Um, they're pretty relaxed about who they let in. I think they might even let you in, Mike. Um, and furthermore, uh, it's very economical when you get there, which is just and well. I've got so some very inf- I've got some ten. I've got some
3: very influential and very new Polish friends, so I may be ah. having a word with them. Um, tell yeah. me about uh, tell me about Italy. What about Italy because I quite fancy a bit of a villa in uh, Tuscany yeah. or possibly yeah, Puglia. Okay.
1: so, so um, Amberlist country talked that Sicily and uh, Sardinia could go on to uh, uh, the green list, but that's sort of irrelevant because the Italians, uh, regardless of what happens in the final on Sunday, are still going to want you and me to quarantine for five days oh, for on sake. arrival. So uh, no, I'm not doing that's, that, not, that's not on my uh, wish list at the moment.
3: No. Well, listen, um, a very comprehensive, Simon, as ever. Great to speak to you, and uh, and hopefully you'll find something a bit more interesting to do uh, in Fulham Broadway. You could go and visit uh, Stamford Bridge, because it's probably just behind you uh, there. Not, not,
1: not very far from here, yeah. or indeed Craven Cottage. Yes, you um, could, absolutely. Other grounds are available. Yes, yeah. other
3: grounds are. Brilliant. Great to speak to you, Simon. Thank you very much indeed. Simon Calder there uh, with an update, uh, as best he can give us. Uh, very, very thorough, I would have thought, actually, and quite specific. Cyprus, probably a no-go area. Italy, not very good. Uh, Spain, And he says France, uh, not likely or Greece to be moved to a red list country status, which, of course, would mean that if you went there, you'd have to come back and quarantine not only uh, for 14 days, but in a hotel at a huge cost to you uh, and to your family. So, I mean, it just is really quite difficult, I think. Julie Hartley Brewer is off on holiday tomorrow, but even she said she's not even sure exactly how it's all going to go. And quite frankly, the idea of wearing a mask on a plane, I don't think so. Not for me. Not this time.
4: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
3: John, a very good uh, afternoon to you. Welcome.
2: Hello there. I'm just
3: uh, just doing my hair, making sure I'm
2: all right for
3: TV. <laughs> Listen, um, I, I see that you're, since you're not here, you may not have had any makeup applied to you, but you're looking pretty good, I have to say. <laughs> no, I haven't even shaved this morning. <laughs> Do you know I didn't um, either? It's, I think we've reached <laughs> that point now. Do you remember when last year you, you'd sort of wake up and kind of go, there, nah. there. I'm yeah. not sure, really. My, my, I just, my, i think I need a holiday. Trouble is, I'd love to go away on holiday, but we talked to Simon Calder earlier. They've making it—they make it so complicated um, that I'm not sure I could be bothered, really.
2: Yeah, no, I think uh, I, I think it's definitely uh, another year for uh, enjoying the delights of uh, of home. Um, but it was interesting. I mean, what you were saying earlier—I I, was—I was out and about in in London uh, yesterday, yes. and did feel like it was back to normal. I went through. Uh, Oxford Oxford Street
3: and so, yeah. uh, uh, and it was it was quite busy. Was it? Yeah, that's good to know actually because I, funnily enough, I took a taxi uh, across town from here at London Bridge over to Kensington um, on Wednesday night or Tuesday. I can't remember Tuesday night, I think, and um, it was extraordinarily quiet. You know, the, the taxi didn't hit any traffic. We only stopped for red lights, which which I can't I can't actually remember the last time that happened in London.
2: <laughs> no, but. Uh... No, Soho was packed. Um, you know, they've closed up all the all the streets yeah. and they got uh, table, tables out in the streets, which I think is lovely. Yes, that is um, good, isn't it? Not not so great if you're trying to cycle through, of course, you have to go you have to go the long way around. Well now you know but, how
3: we feel as car drivers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only difference is you don't have to then pay fifty five thousand pounds to park it somewhere.
2: Yeah, you're not getting any sympathy from me, Mike.
3: <laughs> I would not expect it. Now, let us talk a little bit about Boris, because I think that it's true to say that there was a kind of a dam... Uh, broken, I think, on Monday when he made his uh, his statement, uh, when uh, it was very clear that there had been a slight change, quite a big change actually, in the attitude from the government to COVID. You know, along with Sajid Javrid saying, "I'm the Secretary of State for Health, not the Secretary of State for COVID." It seems to me yeah. that the thing that we've been asking for, certainly here at Talk Radio, um, for a, for a different approach, they seem to be now uh, embracing.
2: Yeah, no, I think there has has definitely been a shift in in the tone. Uh, and it is interesting, as uh, as Boris Johnson said at PMQs, that if, um, if Keir Starmer's only uh, objection is that masks should be compulsory rather than voluntary, uh, then there's not much difference between the, the government and the opposition. I mean, I think he's, he's obviously playing political games there slightly uh, because public opinion is, as I've always said to you, Mike, uh, is much more cautious. Uh, and I'm not sure that Boris Johnson is actually carrying everything before him, I mean, there are signs that the polls are narrowing. Boris Johnson's personal popularity is going down. I think we're beginning to see the end of the of the vaccine effect and, uh, and, and a, re- a return to, to politics as normal, which will come as a great relief to uh, to Keir Starmer, who was really under a lot of pressure before the Batman Spen by-election.
3: Well, it may come as a great relief to him, but he seems to be continuing with his policy of uh, choosing the wrong horse to jump onto every single minute that he does something. Because on Wednesday at Prime Minister's Questions, I thought he was hopeless, going banging on about, you know, what are you going to do when 100,000 people are infected? Well, I'll tell you when 100,000 people are infected every day. I mean, there's no reason to believe that that's going to happen. What are you going to do to stop people deleting an app? Um, Well, probably nothing, actually. How do you stop people deleting an app if you're the Prime Minister? What do you want, people arrested for that? You know, I mean, he was absolutely barking up several wrong trees, an entire forest, in fact.
2: Well, you mean you don't agree with him? No, there's
3: he's talking rubbish. There is not 100,000 infections going on every day. We've got up to 32,000 so-called cases at the moment, which is just a, a, a recognition that a lot more people are testing positive. It doesn't mean that there's a massive crisis. He also agrees with the lifting no. of all the restrictions, apart from mask wearing.
2: Well, yes, and um, and, a, and a few other sort of details about uh, ventilation and uh, and, and paying people to isolate. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. But uh, the 100,000 uh, 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 infections a day is a figure that uh, Sajid Javid gave. Uh, and it's a reasonable question to ask. And he's put himself, Keir Starmer, has put himself on the side of public opinion against... No, uh, he hasn't. No, he's
3: put himself right. on the side of YouGov public opinion, which is not quite the same.
2: No, no. <laughs> well, I mean, no, he's put himself on the side of public opinion and against... Uh, talk radio and Mike Graham but I mean that's uh, yeah but yeah, that's
3: unfortunately fine. unfortunately <laughs> for for Keir Starmer he's the bloke that doesn't get anything right and we are the fastest growing radio station in the world so you know it's up to you which side you want to pick but I would suggest to you uh, that Keir Starmer uh, is on a loser
2: well we shall see about that I, I don't know I, yeah, well, think right. he, I think he is going to start to make a bit of progress now because uh, I think I think the uh the, the Boris Johnson balloon is deflating slowly.
3: Really? Why? What evidence have you got for that? Yeah, opinion polls. Oh, come you, on, you know John. How... This is all you bring me now is opinion polls.
2: Well, yeah, but they're the they're the worst way of finding out what uh, what people think, apart from any other. Right. So So, so when also...
3: Ipsos Mori does a poll where they get something like twenty percent of people who want to shut down nightclubs and casinos forever,
2: I'm I mean a, you realize that they've
3: exactly. presumably they've been doing the poll in the lunatic asylum.
2: No, it is absolutely. Well, this is this is the point. This is this is how out of touch with the great British public you sometimes are, Mike. Uh, no, they're not the a... great
3: British public. They are the, the cultural elite of London uh, that the people yeah. like you hang about with who think, oh, isn't that awful? Who wants to go to a casino full of nasty people <laughs> and prostitutes not going there? <laughs> uh, and who wants to go to a nightclub? Dasty, ghastly people go there. No, that, those are not. the. You know, Brexit should have proven to you um, that the real people of this country wanted to leave the European Union. The real people yeah. of this country want Boris Johnson with an 80 majority because they don't like Labour. It's that simple.
2: I'm not saying that it, that, that these people are a majority, but I was absolutely astonished that a quarter of people thought that uh, that nightclubs and casinos should should close down permanently.
3: Well, it depends who you're asking, though, John, doesn't it? We don't know who, they, who they've asked.
2: Of course we do. It's a proper opinion poll, a representative no. survey of the Opin- No, Pen- but
3: opinion polls have consistently got it wrong, haven't they? No,
2: they haven't. Opinion polls have consistently got it more or less right. Rubbish. The problem with, of course, is that they're decided by quite fine margins. And so you know, obviously, opinion polls are never going to be exactly precise. All right. Well, let me
3: ask but- you, as a representative of the people that I think are in the minority, do you think all <laughs> nightclubs should be shut down and never reopened? Well, of course
2: not. I'm, abs- I'm as horrified as you are. Yeah, I mean, not because
3: you, because but you represent, you know, what I would suggest is is a different view to mine on most things. But you're not crazed, not, um, right? You're not a maniac. These people are.
2: I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fa- fairly reasonable uh, and balanced uh, middle person. I'm am a medium voter. I'm I'm exactly I'm, I'm a Blair and a centrist, and therefore I think i I'm more in touch with the public
3: opinion than you are. But well, I you am, would, you, well, you would think of- that, but that's because you're arrogant and out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because it's because I'm a centrist, and um, I
2: am. I'm horrified by the fact that I mean, not it's it's not the the, the quarter of people who want to who want to close casinos and, and nightclubs. It's the forty percent of people who want compulsory masks on public transport and in shops permanently yeah I can't yeah but hang on
3: but hang on John let's 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 be forensic about this you know the word that people like to use about about Keir Starmer if 20 percent of the people they polled want to shut nightclubs forever why would you be surprised that 40 percent which includes the 20 percent of maniacs who want to shut everything down also (laughs) want masks to be kept so actually the real poll would show 20 percent of people rather than 40
2: well I can't I I can't understand it you can't you can't
3: disagree with that logic
2: Despite the fact that I am a centrist and therefore more in touch with public opinion than you, hmm. uh, I am I'm horrified by the fact that 40 percent of people want compulsory. But they mask don't. Wearers. I
3: don't believe or that for a second.
2: No, I, I. Well, you. Well, yes. Obviously, there may be um, flaws in the poll. I oh, mean, I've, you think? To the question, and uh, maybe people have misunderstood it. Maybe people didn't
3: didn't. Maybe really mean- maybe the question's been framed wrongly. Perhaps that could happen. No
2: it's a perfectly legit question the question is what what do people mean by the answer they give and that's 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 what
3: do you know what the question was yes what was it
2: well it was um should should um people should we have to wear masks in shops and on public transport permanently even after the threat of covid uh, 19 has gone or word side effect. Um, yeah, but you see, the
3: word, no, but it's not words to that effect. The words are very important because when some of these polls ask questions, they ask questions like, should you we continue to wear masks in order to keep everybody safe? Now, that is a loaded <laughs> yeah. question it, it, because, it, it, first of all, it assumes that keeping people safe involves wearing a mask. And most people don't want to be seen as monsters. So they say, oh, yes, absolutely, we must keep a mask. And that's why yeah. the question and how it's framed is important. For example, if they said, Will you continue to wear a mask even when the government say you don't have to? That's a different question.
2: Yes, but that's not the question that, that Ipsos Mori asked. Well, I'm, this, well, I'm this. not
3: convinced you know what the question um, is, but 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 I can tell you that Richard Tice was no, in here I'm earlier. Just
2: looking at, like, oh, okay. Just well, you didn't
3: sound, you sounded like at, you were making that up as you went along. No,
2: I've I've just been looking. I can't read I can't read it out from the screen because it's 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 on the other side of the room. Oh,
3: okay, but
2: it's it's on my computer right, right. now. Forty percent think that we should keep um, compulsory masks permanently. Forty-one yeah. percent disagree. But, it, but until
3: um, I know who those people are and which sample of the population they have decided, well, you Richard, say that. Well, of course, they're a so-called representative sample. Richard Tice did a similar poll and got eighteen thousand people who are members of Reform UK, and they that's said, not, and they oh, hang on, they said, fifty f- in fifty-three percent of them will never wear a mask again.
2: What, members of the of, of the Reform Party? Yeah. Well, that's not a poll. Why not? Well, that's not a representative sample of the British public, is it?
3: Well, no, it's not a representative sample of the British public. But that's... I don't believe that any sample of the British public is representative because it depends who they are. And until they tell well, me who they are, it's a bit like me saying to you, you know, 35 people dying uh, on from COVID like yesterday means nothing to me unless I see some context unless i see how how old these people are whether they had any other underlying health conditions you know the facts matter and so opinion polls to me mean nothing because all they are is a snapshot of a moment in time of some people who happen to have had a phone call from someone uh, when they were a bit busy doing something else
2: yeah, well this, this is an online online survey but uh, Not even worse then reputable reputable opinion poll company uh, which is generally uh, p- producing extremely accurate a- accurate. I don't, think, I, don't,
3: I don't think there's any such thing as a reputable uh, opinion poll company. Much more
2: important to engage with the British people as they actually are, rather than as you want them to be, Mike. Well,
3: I engage with everybody, John. I even engage with you, as you know. And I'm very willing to take your views on things. But what I'm not willing to do is to accept an opinion poll as some kind of a fact, because it's not. I'm afraid it is. And
2: uh, I I mean, I'm, I agree with you that... Uh, I think forty percent of the British public is mistaken in wanting permanent uh, compulsory mask wearing, but I think you have to engage with people uh, who who say who say that's what they want. But all and, of the things,
3: I mean, but all of the things, for example, that Keir Starmer was asking for with regards to masks on Wednesday are all possible. Yeah. You know, he wants them no, to remain. He wants people to wear them on public transport. Well, wear one if you want. He wants people to wear them in enclosed spaces. Well, wear one if you want. You know, it's not impossible to. You don't have to not wear one.
2: No, but but compulsion is obviously um, a perfectly respectable argument in that case. No, it's because
3: not. No, because compulsion is not what we do in a democracy. Well,
2: it is. It is. If you've got an infectious disease on your hands,
3: I mean. No, it's the not. Oh well, yeah, well we haven't though.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you, well, I was going to say you're you're implying that uh, that that it's gone away and it's, it's no longer a threat. No, right? I'm not saying
3: you, that. It's not as much of wrong. a threat. No, <laughs> the reason that it's not as much of a threat is because we have a vaccine. And and unless yeah. you unless you don't think the vaccine works, of course.
2: I completely agree with you, Mike, but I'm saying it's a perfectly respectable intellectual position to say that it ought to be compulsory to wear masks. No, it's not.
3: It is is a position held. No, it's a position held by the likes of Owen Jones and a bunch of lefty Ramona uh, idiots who think think that we should rejoin the European Union as well. And I'm amazed that it's become a political argument, but it has. Those Mm -hmm. who believe in freedom don't wish to be told by the government what to wear. It's a bit like the government saying on Monday you will always wear a blue shirt. No, I won't. No, I won't wear a white one actually. No,
2: because there are a lot of people who sincerely believe that uh, that it is in the it's in the interest of public health to uh, to keep the the virus under control. Yeah, but they, they can forth. they
3: can believe whatever they like. They can believe the moon's made of cheese if they want. It doesn't make them right.
2: Well, no, but you, you'd, have to, you'd have to argue why they're wrong as well. I mean, well, I, think
3: I, well that... I can tell you why they're wrong, because the figures and the data will prove that they're wrong. Because as much as the, as, as the numbers rise in terms of so-called cases, the numbers are not rising similarly by the same proportion in terms of deaths yes. and in terms of hospital right. admissions. It's quite simple.
2: Yes, but it's, it's equally simple to argue that you want to keep those numbers as low as possible, uh, and that mask wearing is well not a serious at what
3: yeah but at what cost and that's <laughs> why that's why I was saying that Boris Johnson now has clearly made a decision that he is going to make sure that everything is taken in the round and that we have a a problem with something called coronavirus, but it is nowhere near as big of a problem as it was. And as a result of trying to fight only coronavirus, we have got ourselves into a big, big problem with the NHS, a massive problem with the economy, and all of that now needs to be addressed. And so therefore, it's about proportionality. And, And in no case of the history of this country have we locked up the economy because of so few people dying of a disease that affects hardly anyone. We're not talking about locking up the economy where the the argument has now come down to um,
2: whether it should be compulsory or or voluntary to wear masks on public transport and in shops. Uh, And I see no harm in it being compulsory for a bit longer. Uh, I don't agree with it myself, but I I don't think that's an unreasonable position.
3: Well, I think it's a completely unreasonable position, but stay where (laughs) you are uh, because we're going to have some more unreasonableness coming up shortly. John Rental is here, Chief Political Commentator for The Independent. uh, This is Talk Radio. This is Talk Radio.
1: Across the UK. Online, on DAB Plus, and on the Talk
4: Radio app. The Independent Republic of Mike Gray. On Talk Radio.
3: Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We're talking to John Rental, chief political commentator for The Independent. What I did want to mention, John, was the fact that, you know, Boris, once again, as we spoke last time, uh, is, is, is sort of uh, winning and, and benefiting, is he not, from the England team's success, uh, which, of course, he's claiming for his own, as you would expect. And so, I mean, I mean, more or less, I mean, if England win the Euros, it doesn't really matter what Keir Starmer thinks about anything.
2: <laughs> yeah, there'll be, a, I mean, the vaccine bounce will be replaced by the uh, by the Euro bounce. Yeah. Uh, that is, that's getting ahead of ourselves. Um, you know, I mean, uh, we, 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 you know, England's done very well to get as far as it has. But uh, I think if it, if, if the team lose on on Sunday, I think. Uh, there won't be uh, There won't be much of a much of a bonus there. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, th-
3: I, mean I think there's. I mean, it's been a feel good kind of month, hasn't it? And people are starting to, to to feel as though there's a way out of this. People have massively started booking <laughs> holidays yesterday. God bless them. I mean, you know, they're better better them than me. But you know, four hundred percent up, easyJet. You know, British Airways saying twice as many people have been booking holidays. You know, people are moving. People are getting sick of it. People are moving and getting as you said. You know, London is coming back. Uh, it's still got a way to go, but you know, it's it's all happening.
2: Yeah, no, there's certainly there's certainly part of the population is uh, is, is itching to get uh, to get free. Um, we we can ignore the, the the part of the population that we don't agree with, um, who want to stay locked down forever. Um, well, uh, quite but, frankly,
3: I think they should be ignored. If they don't want to mix with anybody else, let them stay at home. Let them be in their little bubble, uh, <laughs> eating you know their quiche Lorraine every every day. And you know, I'd be quite happy never to see them ever again. No, you're right,
2: but it will be very interesting to see how much uh, Boris Johnson. Uh, benefits politically if uh, if England do win on Sunday. Mm. Um, I've I've been reading the f- fascinating Alistair Campbell diaries from the 1996 uh, Euros where he uh, secretly wanted uh, England to lose mm. uh, against uh, West uh, against Germany. I nearly said West Germany <laughs> against Germany in the semi final. Yeah. Uh, but he was sitting next to he was in Wembley and he was, he was sitting next to John Major's bodyguard, uh, and John Major was in the uh, in, in the royal box behind right. him. So. he he had to pretend to be supporting England, but he was delighted when England got knocked out.
3: Well, it's not an unfamiliar position for Mr Campbell to pretend to be uh, doing something that he's not really believing in, is it? <laughs> I mean, you know, I would expect nothing less from the man
2: not sure I agree with that. Well, we
3: shall see. But I mean, look, the the point is, is that Euro 96 was the last time really that there was that kind of feel good factor in the nation because of a sporting event. You know, this is, you can't underestimate 34 million people watched that game on Wednesday night, you know, on Sunday night, it's probably going to be closer to 45 million people. I mean, that's, that's, you know, more than half the country. It's incredible.
2: Yeah, no, it is, it is, it is incredible. And it will, it will have an effect on the national mood, But you know, there isn't a general election coming up. I mean, uh, Harold Wilson blamed his defeat in 1970 on the fact that England then got knocked out of the 1970 Yes. Uh, cut uh, by Germany, West Germany, as it was, as it then was in yeah. Mexico. Uh, that was just four days before a general election. Um, I mean, there's a lot of academic uh, dispute about whether that was actually a cause of Labour's yeah. defeat. But There's no doubt it does have some political effects, but we're some distance away from the next general election, so it may not matter. Well, that's
3: right. And it will come as no surprise to you, John, that prime ministers who lose elections would come up with almost any reasons as to why they lost it, apart from the fact that people didn't like them so much anymore as they used to.
2: (laughs) <laughs>
3: <Quite>. uh, exactly <laughs> in Wilson's case, but but I mean we can't stop this guy. We're going to run off because we're about to hit the news. But I mean, uh, I, I think we have to have Jess Phillips uh, as the uh, political idiot of the week when she tweeted out that one of her kids had apparently asked her why footballers don't have double-barreled names. One, they lo- that loads of them have double-barreled names, and nobody, as far as Off-slated. I can, as, as far yeah. as I can name in the cabinet has a double-barreled name. She was clearly trying to make a sort of classist political point, failed miserably.
2: And and dragging one of her unfortunate children into the uh, public domain. Yeah, I mean, thanks,
3: mum. I, I, I think I preferred it when you left me on the on the step outside of Downing Street. <laughs>
2: you know. Yeah, no, that was that wasn't the cleverest comment. But I mean, it's it's Lee Anderson, the Tory MP, uh, who's getting the real uh, stick. Uh, this well, week. yeah, because
3: but, even even everyone who who kind of has had a go about taking the knee and all of that. Everybody's forgotten about that now because the, well, the team well, have been exactly, very successful. Yeah. But but poor old Lee still uh, still sitting in the in the naughty corner
2: <laughs> and saying he's going to boycott the final as well. That's Brilliant. I know I mean, he is. I think he he more than Jess Phillips is going to go down as a as a footnote or at least a, a, a pub quiz question yes. in a years. Well, he will, I mean
3: he's I, I do like Lee, but I may I may have to get him on the show and ask him about that on Monday if they win. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent I stuff. Love- Good. John, have a great weekend. Thank you very much indeed. John Rental, Chief Political Commentator for The Independent.
4: Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio.